Today's guest on the podcast is Dr. William Sears. Yes, that Dr. Sears. He's known to his smaller, younger patients as Dr. Bill, and he received his pediatric training at Harvard Medical School's Children's Hospital and Toronto's Hospital for Sick Children. He has practiced as a pediatrician for more than 30 years, and he's the author of, I believe we determined, 47 books, 47 books. Amazing. But he is here today to talk to us about his new book, The Healthy Brain Book. And he's a co-author on this book. And I was very excited, very excited when I learned about it. And he joined us on a live podcast with our audience today. And we had such an amazing time. So I have nothing but amazing things to say about Dr. Sears and gratitude for him sharing his wisdom, his knowledge, and his years and years of expertise. And take a listen if you're interested in your brain health, mental health, or Alzheimer's and and what genetics have to do with this or don't have to do with it. It was a fascinating and very informative uh, podcast episode. So thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening. It really helps out. And if you know anyone who's interested in partnering with the podcast for some advertising, please let me know. I have produced over 212 episodes, I believe now, without any ad income or revenue. And I think I need to change that model. There really is a lot of time and effort and energy and money that goes into the podcast. And so I'm looking for some ad sponsors who might be interested in, you know, what we're interested in, you as an audience. So I'm definitely not interested in promoting someone that I don't believe in or giving you guys products that you just aren't going to like. So I'm just putting the seed out there. I cringe as I do it, but I also know that I often fail to ask for what I need. So there you go. (laughs) Everyone is growing today. I hope you all enjoy this episode with Dr. Sears. Hi, and welcome to the same 24 hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. All right, everyone, welcome to a very last minute um, meetup and podcast because Dr. William Sears, Dr. Bill is here. This is very exciting. This is like the Dr. Sears. So I got an email from his publisher, uh, Dr. William Sears, and so, you know, has has a new book coming out. And I was like, hold a minute, (laughs) the Dr. Sears? And she was like, good eye. And I said, yes, I would like to talk to Dr. Bill Sears. (laughs) So welcome, Dr. Bill. Oh, thank you, Meredith. It's uh, great to be with you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. So you have written 40-something books. I forget. How does one write? Let's start there. Because how does... I have written two. Uh And that feels like too too many sometimes. Like, how does Uh one write 40 books? (laughs) How how do you do that? First of all, you have to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. If it's not fun for you not going to be fun for the reader. <laughs> and secondly, um, I, years ago, I realized that one of the greatest feelings you can get is what I call the helper's high. So when we first did the baby book, for example, and then the parenting book, and then we now we're into health books, I go to bed each night and I figure, you know, a few people, maybe five, ten, a hundred, a thousand, their lives may be better and happier and healthier because of something we wrote in our book. Now, that's a priceless feeling. That, 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 that feeling is more rewarding and priceless than all the money you might make in book sales, which isn't much. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling, too. That is such yeah. a good point. And, I mean, I think... You know, I've been doing what I do in my little world for about 10 years. And, and it's like, it's the same thing. If it was making me rich, it, it, it's not. And that's not the reason I do it. I do it because just what you said, like every once in a while, someone will say, 
you know, your book allowed me to do my first triathlon or you saved my life. That's a big one. I'm like, I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, may, it is that helper's high. So I, I totally know what you mean. But still, congratulations on 46 books. Yes, this is, this is actually uh, book 47. And 47. What, what we tried to do, it's actually very timely because what we figured a few years ago, we saw that mental unwellness, mental illness was the number one epidemic in America. Mental unwellness is even more of an epidemic than the coronavirus right now, but they're both right there. So I realized, so I, I have 76 brain health books in my library, which I've read. And I was so mentally exhausted <laughs> by reading most of them. They're written by very good, prominent neurologists to be read by neurologists. Right. So I, I, uh, my, I guess, gift, if you could call it, and, and Martha, my wife's gift, is that we can bring very solid science. I, I'm a show-me-the-science doctor. I'm not going to get out there with that flaky stuff, but show me the science, but make it relevant, make it fun. So one of our goals was every page must bring out a smile in the reader. Because if you smile, if you laugh, if you say, oh, I like that. If it's relevant, oh, that's me. How did you know? If a reader sees that on every page, they're going to want to be, it's going to be a page turner. So it's not only what we've written in our book, but we've written it in a fun and memorable and relatable way where they have uh, illustrations that all like, like, like. So we wanted like and even love on each page a reader does. And I think that's brilliant. I've seen it in just a few books that I actually really love, illustrations. Why do we think just because we're adults, we don't like pictures in a book? <laughs> I think uh, it's it, brilliant. It, it, and, and, see the, and the reason, Meredith, is see the, the eye is an extension of the brain. When the eye feels good, I, Y, I feel good. When the eye feels good, the brain feels good. So it, it's what the reader sees on the page. Like you bold print a, a memorable uh, feeling. Like we'll have um, something we want the reader to remember. We'll have a small brain, an illustration of the brain with the brain smiling and talking. For example, I talk about uh, important foods for the brain because the brain is mostly fat, so we need to eat smart fat and a smart fat diet, not a low-fat diet. And so the brain has a bubble that says, smiling, I'm a fathead. And <laughs> so I had fat. a fathead. And then so you, when the you're reddit. pregnant, you're growing a fathead. <laughs> yes, you're growing a fathead. And so yeah, I'm glad you read it. And so that, that, that's just an example of how we want every point we make, we want it to be memorable, relatable, and a smile. Yeah, the healthy, the healthy brain book, an all ages guide to a calmer, happier, sharper you. One thing that really stood out to me is it was in your introduction a prediction that 40 to 50 percent of people by the age of 85 will, quote, lose their minds, meaning their, yeah. their brain health. Mm -hmm. that is a staggering number. Oh, you're, you're right. And that's why I partnered in our book with a very top neurologist, uh, Dr. Vincent Fortinest, who is professor of neurology and psychiatry at, at uh, University of California, and then our uh, part, so that he can bring in the neurology part of Alzheimer's and those ages. Also, we co-authored with Hayden. Uh, Hayden Sears, our, um, our daughter, so she can bring in the relatable to the young people. So uh, I was playing golf with Vince, Vince Fartness one day and said, hey, Vince, when does Alzheimer's begin? And he says, Bill, Alzheimer's begins in adolescence. Oh. Really? I thought it began when you get older. No, it begins in adolescence. 
you don't just suddenly lose your mind when you're 50 or 60 or 70. And that's why in our book we have you most of Alzheimer's is a vascular problem. If you don't, it's like the brain is a garden, greatest garden ever grown. What do you need to grow a garden? You need to irrigate it. Well, if we lose our blood supply to our brain, the brain withers like a garden. So what happens is even the young people, their vessels, suddenly they get sticky stuff, sticky stuff, sticky stuff. They build up in their vessels, but they got plenty of blood vessels. They don't feel anything, but gradually, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of age, and then the blood supply says, enough already, I'm withering. So that's why I focus so much on the concept we call for the young folks, preload your brain, Mm. preload your body with all the things, the tools we mentioned in the book. So when you get 50 or 60 and things happen, like the coronavirus epidemic right now, things happen. And the ones who do better and heal from the coronavirus are the ones who don't get Alzheimer's, are the ones who don't become that statistic you mentioned of 50% losing their mind at at Mm -hmm. 85. Uh, They're the ones who took preventive measures and they filled their immune system in their body, their soldier that says, hey, we've taken care of you for the last 40 years. Uh, Now go fight for us. And that's what they do. So how do we do this? I mean, you have a great model in in the beginning. Again, a visual model of the hand. I, I think that's the way the book is structured. Is that is that the the way you you guard this? Is are those the the measures we take at a younger age? Uh, yes, uh, exactly, Meredith. And and that's why I say you hold the five keys to your brain health in the palm of your hand. First of all, you eat smart food. You eat smart food. That the brain above all other organs in the whole body is most affected for better or worse by what you eat. You put smart food in your brain, you get smart brain. You put junk food in your brain, you get junk brain. So the five, uh, my, my favorite foods is first of all, I call it the five S's in the book. Salmon. Ah, salmon. I love salmon. Nice filet of wild salmon. The smartest salmon. food on the planet. I'm glad because I love and that stuff. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. And it's interesting. It's interesting that if you took a fillet of salmon and you Googled the, the nutrient content of fillet of salmon, and this is in our book too, the two pages, and, and you put the nutrient content of a piece of salmon, wild salmon, such as Alaskan salmon, it's best, or Pacific salmon, you Googled the nutrient content of a piece of salmon and the nutrient content of your brain, put them side by side, they'd be a perfect match. Really? That's yes. a thing? There are 10 nutrients in a piece of salmon that match the 10 needs of the brain. For example, the top one is uh, omegas, omega-3s. The smartest fat in the brain happens to be the top fat in the piece of salmon. The second, and and let me ask you a question, see if you know the answer. Why are salmon pink? I don't know. Ah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're girls. (laughs) Okay, you need to read the book. (laughs) Um, Salmon are pink because nature's most powerful antioxidant, anti-wear and tear, Nutrient, antioxidant. That's what makes us age and lose our mind. We oxidize. Nature's most powerful antioxidant is called astaxanthin. Astaxanthin. I said that word even if I remember. I know it's a big word, but that's (laughs) what makes salmon pink. So when you eat a piece of salmon, you get you get a high dose of the smartest fat. You get a high dose of the best uh, antioxidant, and and you know, and that's also. so salmon, number one, then um, salads with spices, number two, the food, and that is my favorite spice is turmeric. Turmeric 
paired with black pepper. Right. Third, a smoothie in the morning, a smart shake. So I start every day with a smart shake in the morning, a smart salad in the evening, a salad, a green salad with slay of salmon. And during the day, I nibble on nuts. I go nuts during the day. <laughs> nibble on nuts. I make a trail mix with my five favorite nuts. Okay? And then again, the next tip, the fourth tip on on uh, eating is besides salmon, salads, and, and a smoothie, is smart snacking. See, the brain does not like spikes. The brain likes a steady supply of fuel. Mm -hmm. So when you graze, instead of gorge, the brain says, like, you don't overwhelm me with spikes. The brain is spikes. The brain does not like spikes of sugars are, are, are bad fats, but like steady supply of fuel. So that's why we have in our book, we call it the rule of twos. Choo-choo times two. Choo-choo times two. And, and the rule of twos is also eat twice as often, eat half as much, and chew twice as long. Now for <laughs> kids, I know you, you probably have a lot of moms watching, young kids. So children and doctors like potty talk. <laughs> All right. So the way the way I get kids to remember in, in the office when I try to get them to because we have we're raising little gorgers, I say, the better you choose, the better you poo. And they remember it. Oh, that's they remember good. It. They remember it's good it. for adults so, to remember too. Yeah, um, I know and, and it's like, see, the brain likes steady. And then the fifth, the fifth is smart supplement. Supplements based on science. Omega-3 supplements. Fruit and vegetable and berry supplements. Astaxanthin supplements like Hawaiian astaxanthin, one of my favorite. Uh, vitamin D. Sometimes B12. So supplements based on science. If the science is not there, that they've drawn blood levels from people and find out it goes into the system when you take it, and and it has a good effect on people's science-based supplement. So those are my five uh, food categories, five smart foods. Okay, so I know you cover this in the book, but I, the question came up twice already, but I don't like salmon. <laughs> <laughs> what do you right. do? What do you do? Okay. And who All are right. you if you don't like salmon? You have to learn okay. to love yeah, it. Yeah, good. And, and and if you don't and if you don't like it, you take it. In other words, <laughs> yeah. that's where supplements come in because because I find that in my office. I, I when when I start my sermon with with eat the four big smart foods, I will get a question like that. I don't like fish. Or I'm a vegan. Or I don't like greens or something like that. And that's why I filled in with that fourth, uh, that fifth, uh, the thumb that says smart supplements based on science. So if you don't like fish, you can get omega-3. You get omega-3, uh, good fish oil capsules. If you're a vegan, you can get omega-3s in a algae source. Algae is seafood. See, that's why I use the term, I use the term seafood rather than fish because seafood can be vegan too. You know, fish, fish eat sea plants. So, so that would be my advice for that person is to take an omega-3 supplement if you don't like fish. However, try this. And this is why. This, this is, see, you want to you raise young brain, baby brain. The baby brain is growing the fastest in the first two years. And we have a little story about that in our book. Baby brain is, is triples in size and volume by two years of age, from birth to two years of age. So that's why at seven months of age in my office, when parents come in for the six-month checkup, I have the fathead talk. You're raising a little fathead. So we have salmon at seven months. Salmon at seven months. There's a little sign, a little sign I have in my office, and they remember that. So we have, uh, and, and the kids, you know, you put a little mushy piece of ground up salmon, a little mushy 
and you, you've watched those little uh, babies at seven months of age have like little uh, uh, chopsticks and they'll eat, eat, eat. And that's called shaping young taste. Mm-hmm. My kids used to time. love salmon, love it as babies, you know, one you. year. But th- now they won't touch it, and, I, and they won't. My son won't touch salmon, and he won't touch oh, yeah. peppers. And I said, "You used to snack on red peppers and eat salmon." I don't know what's going uh-huh. on. I think he's just a twelve-year-old boy. Uh, he oh, yeah, also sorry. won't eat anything unless it comes in a vessel. Case in point, we made black beans and rice last night. He yeah. would not eat it unless we put it in a burrito. <laughs> okay, well, burrito—that's fine. See, here, here's here's an here's an idea for you then. And I had a 12-year-old boy come in my office, your, your son's age, come in my office a few months ago. And, and uh, it, was, it was sort of checked up. And we, at 12 years of age, we talk about what's going on in your body. Okay? A body talk. And so mom sits outside and instead of Jason, and uh, Jason says, well, tell me, how are you doing? He says, Dr. Bill, why am I so short? Well, he just hadn't had his, his hormones click in yet. And sometimes a little bit late. So I said, okay, Jason, I'm going to give you a list of tall food. So I wrote him a list of tall food. Salmon was on top. I get a call from mom a week later. says, Dr. Bill, I don't know what you said to my son, but now he's eating all the food that he wouldn't eat before. I said, I made it relevant. He wants to get taller, call him tall food. He wants to play soccer better, call him soccer food, baseball food, whatever you need to do, football food. Yeah, so my son's really big into art. He's uh, okay. He does digital animation, so I'll call it art food. Yeah. Art food. Well, actually, actually, that, that's true. Because, see, and, and show him, uh, open the book. Open the book to the page on salmon. Mm-hmm. And show him that when he eats smart food, like we mentioned in the Healthy Brain book, show him that his smart center his creative center, which is in the frontal lobe up there, his creativity center, his artist center, actually gets bigger and smarter when he eats smarter foods. Oh, that's good. You're good. There's a reason that you got 46 books and everyone loves you, Dr. Sears. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, I know we said we were going to go about 30 minutes, but we may go a little bit more if that's okay. That's fine, Meredith. We'll you're, any... you're a wonderful host. I'm happy oh, to be with you. <laughs> I love doing this. This is so much fun. So uh, if anyone yes, has any I questions, we have a fabulous resource here. So please let me know. You can raise your Zoom hand or, or type something. Um, so let's talk a, a little bit about inflammation. This I yes. feel like this term is new. I mean, it's not new, but I feel like it's it's a buzzword, and it, it's kind of mm-hmm. popped up in the last I don't know five or eight years. So, how does inflammation impact our brain? Well, inflammation simply means wear and tear. Now, inflammation's a good word. In other words, inflammation. Think of it as your army of soldiers inside. Say you get a cut, and you want it to heal. When you get a cut, a, a biochemical text message goes from the cut to your, to your immune system in your gut, and the immune system says healing soldiers to the cut, and you heal the cut. All right, that's good inflammation. However, because of the standard American diet, the sad diet, when you don't, when you feed your soldiers inside junk food. They don't fight for you. So they sometimes overheal. Like they go into and they mess up tissue. So autoimmune, for example, thyroiditis, arthritis, colitis, all the itises are the immune system. The inflammation system is out of balance. And we want to help balance it. So I could take our healthy brain book and change the title to balance your immune system. (laughs) And it'd be the same thing because the brain, see fat tissue, the brain is a fathead, 60% fat. Fat tissue is mostly affected by an imbalance of inflammation Mm -hmm. where the, the fighters, the biochemical fighters will, will damage the fat in the brain. So that's why the brain 
It's called neuroinflammation, the root cause of depression, anxiety, Alzheimer's disease, and all the other Ds, ADD, OCD, BPD, all the Ds. The root cause is neuroinflammation. So the root treatment is balance your inflammation, that word balance again. And this is what our five-step um, brain health plan does. It helps balance your inflammation. Right. So when I eat bad sad food, I think you called it, when I <laughs> eat sad food, I the next day, and I, I tell me if this isn't my imagination or if this is backed by science, if this is a real thing, I wake up sad. I feel out of sorts. And, and I used to not be able to recognize this um, until I really cleaned up my eating. And so uh-huh. now when I eat really, you know, healthy food and I don't eat processed junk, when I do have sad food, I feel sad the next day. And it usually takes uh-huh. me a day or two to feel normal. Is that real or is that oh, psychosomatic? No, it's, it's very real. And uh, so let me let me take our listeners into the brain to show you why that's real. Real. And you said you wake up sad. Yeah, and I wake up in a tizzy. Now, here's what goes on, and, and you're right. Because, and we have, in fact, uh, my favorite chapter in our book is called Sleep Smart. How uh, sleep? Because when you go to sleep, when you go to sleep, it's like you are entering a detox. You're entering a detox farm, all right? A farm, a detox. Because when you sleep, and this is fascinating, follow me closely, we have some illustrations in our book on this. When you go to sleep, you have a house cleaning army inside your brain. They're called glia cells. And the housekeepers come into the brain and sweep it of all the toxins you accumulated during the day. Toxic thoughts, toxic stuff from junk food. And the second thing that happens is the rivers of your brain is where the glia cells dump the toxins into the rivers of your brain and the rivers of your brain widen when you sleep. It's called the glymphatic system. I call it the garbage disposal system <laughs> of your body. So during sleep is when the garbage disposal system of your body widens. So you actually detox. So that's why when you when you eat poorly during the day, you sleep poorly at night, and you don't detox. That's mm. why you're right. You do wake up sad. And, and that's why it's all, worse when you like drink a ton of booze at night and yeah. eat ice cream with it. You're just your your body can't detox from the day, and you've loaded it with more garbage before bed, exactly. right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And this is why uh, Sleep Smart is one of the highest tools on our um, uh, on our um, in our Healthy Brain book. You mentioned drinking too. We have a whole chapter called Drink Smart, right? Drink Smart. And that is you know, how, to, how to drink and enjoy it without your brain getting damaged, right? So number one, never drink on an empty stomach. Never drink on an empty stomach. That is drink smart rule number one because follow the alcohol. You guzzle the drink and the alcohol hits the stomach and it dissolves the protective lining of the stomach, the mucus lining of the stomach, and goes right into your blood. And the brain gets the effect. So that's mm-hmm. point number one. Uh, say, take a glass of wine. This is what I do. I have a glass of wine. I sit it on the table. And I start, I eat my salad. And I, after I've taken about 10 or 15 minutes of eating, then I start sipping on the wine. So the wine doesn't hit the bare lining of my stomach. Secondly, sip slowly with meals. Is alcohol drinking 101 too. So there are ways that you can drink smart to 
uh, keep a smart brain. And also, you're going to read things like uh, uh, drink alcohol, help prevent Alzheimer's. That is bad science. That is uh, what experts agree on. If you don't already drink, don't start drinking to improve your brain. That does not work. I don't drink at all. I'm a sober Sally because I, right, I wasn't good. I wasn't able to handle it. Like oh, I drink on it. empty stomachs and lots of it. Oh. So. <laughs> you know that's interesting. No, yeah. that's interesting. Sober Sally. Um, women, women do not detoxify alcohol as easy as men do. Right. Okay? So this is why. You know, if you, uh, like, sometimes I'll go offline for a, a, a whole week or two just to show I could do it, and I'll take a glass of pomegranate juice and put it on my table. Looks <laughs> just like wine, and it fools my brain a little bit. See, so there are ways of, of drinking smart to not bother your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have a question from Kathy. She says, I'm 66, already have cardiovascular disease and a family history of dementia. What can I do at this point? Okay, Kathy. I'll see um, a family history. Genetics. See, uh, don't let genes and a family history bother you that much because genes only perhaps increase our risk maybe 20% of getting something and the whole field is called epigenetics and nutrigenetics is starting to downplay the worry of our genes and upplay the fact that we can change our genes by the way we eat and think and move and all that and so you can change your genes Gene, a genetic tendency simply to me is an added motivator. Well, Kathy, that's simply a motivator that the earlier you can develop what I call your toolbox for a healthy body and a healthy brain. And it so happens that the same tools we have in our, in the, in our healthy brain book, the same tools for a healthy brain is the same tools for the healthy heart. Because the heart and the brain are buddies. The brain has the largest supply of blood flow to any organ in the body, and the brain actually uses about 20 or 25 percent of all of the blood your heart pumps. So the buddy, your brain and your heart are buddies in health. So follow our five-step brain health plan. And you'll have a healthier heart and a healthier brain. And that is the Healthy Brain book. Um, I will post a link when we post the replay and I'll get it here in the chat too. Um, epigenetics, that's an interesting topic. And, and for those who, who don't know exactly what that is, and, and I'll say it poorly because I'm not a doctor or a psychologist, <laughs> but basically the fact that we have genes, which is hardwired, and then our environment and the way we eat, drink, sleep, and live can change our genes. Is that a good summary or not? <laughs> uh, yes. You, 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 no, you said it very well uh, there, Mary. You said it very well. Uh, picture your genes having an on-off switch. Now, you might, can't, you might get born with an on-switch saying you have a tendency, say, to Alzheimer's, for example. You can press the off switch. Picture yourself pressing the off switch on that genetic tendency by four things. We call it lean, L-E-A-N. How you live, how you eat, how you think, and how you move. Those four tools press the off switch so you have no genetic tendency. That is epigenetic and nutrigenetic in a nutshell. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Let's talk about stress. Let's talk about yes. stress right now. Um, how does stress and how we think and and what is around us, our community, how does that impact our brains? Okay. Uh, well, it, it, <clears throat> the, uh, the fact, I think one of our largest chapters is on stress. 
stress management. I use the term stress management because we, we, we live with stress. You know, we're, we're human. We get sometimes stressed before we go into a meeting or an exam and our mind kind of works better. You know, we rev it up a bit, but then we need to cool it down. The problem is we need to cool it down. And here's why. And let's get into the second brain. There's a second brain in your body. Where do you think that second brain is? Your gut. Your gut. All right. You read the book. All right. Uh, the, the, the gut. The gut's called the second brain for a reason. And the reason is that's where your stress hormones are made. So your stress hormones are made in, a lot are made in the adrenal gland. Some are made in the brain. But your happy hormones, your stress mellowers, your calming hormones like serotonin and GABA and dopamine, most of them are made in the gut. Mm. And they're manufactured in the gut by your pharmacy inside. And we have a little picture in our book called, your, you see the gut bugs, your bacteria inside called the microbiome. The microbiome, biggest word in medicine right now, microbiome. <laughs> right. What they're doing, they're manufacturing happy hormones and calming hormones and dial down stress hormones all day long for you. So the better you treat your gut, the better you treat your head brain. Just like your gut brain is saying, don't stress me out. And here's how that works. Picture your gut, your head brain sending biochemical text messages from its cell phone up there down the middle of your body called the vagus nerve, super highway of the body, the vagus nerve, coming from the head to the gut and branching out all over the gut. And the head brain says, how are we doing down there, gut brain? And the gut brain says, hey, cool it up there. If you don't stress me out up there, I don't feel queasy down here, and I'll make happy hormones for you. Wow. So that's why stress management, stress management. I realized that years ago, and I realized <clears throat> that one of the best things in stress management, and this is for young people too, <clears throat> is how you start the day. Because I see that young, <clears throat> young people, our young kids, they get out in the morning, they look at their cell phone, they get on their, their email, <clears throat> they look at the bad news. <laughs> right. you know, Good night, bad news. I mean, you know, they don't, uh, no, that is the worst way to start your brain health. Take 10 or 15 minutes for meditation, what I call the attitude of gratitude. Uh, it, the medical term, the neurological term is called the grateful brain. So let's imagine, uh, Meredith, I would take you into our, our laboratory uh, at my co-author's uh, uh, office, the brain, the, uh, the uh, brain center. And we would wire you up when you get up in the morning. And we would say, Meredith, Think about all the things you're grateful for. Now, no matter how life sucks, and it does sometimes, we all have a few things to be thankful for. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my husband. Thank you coffee, for my mom. Coffee, coffee. Thank you for <laughs> all that. Thank you for my cup of coffee. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Now, if I wire you up, your happy center in your brain lights up. Your sad center literally shrinks and dials down. Your head brain says, ah, I feel good. Your gut brain says, ah, feel good. Simply by a 5, 10, or 15 minutes of closing your eyes, eye to the sky, thank you for, thank you for. Now, I start teaching meditation techniques in my medical practice at age seven, wow. age seven. And I learned this from, uh, I, I leave my practice as kind of a laboratory <laughs> and I see what smart moms do to help their kids turn out well. I had a mom tell me this 
he called it the the I am. The name was Julie. Thank you, Julie. The I am technique. You lie down with your kid before you go to bed. Snuggle with them. And you say, okay, let's say your child's name is Susie. Okay, Susie. As we're going off to sleep, I want you to think of five things that you're so happy about. I am smart. I am pretty. I am funny. I am a good soccer player. I am a good artist. I am, I am, and you drift off to sleep with that attitude of gratitude. And then when you're a little bit older, you write I, the I am on your mirror in your, in your bathroom. I am smart. I am happy. I am a woman. So the first thing you think about when you go to bed and the first thing you see when you get up is happy thoughts. Yeah. So these are, are small tools that if we teach our kids and our young adults start when they're early, that's where your brain says, like, keep it up. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. And I have several examples of this. Um, when I was a kid, it was wake up and race to school and have a fight with your mother and grab a pop yeah. card. I mean, that was yeah. my life. Right. And so yeah. I became, then I became a lawyer. So it was race to court, fight with attorney, you know, it yeah. was just this perpetuation. And, and people were like, you need to meditate. You need to do this gratitude journaling. And I yeah. fought it. I fought it for years. And a couple mm-hmm. years ago, I started gratitude journaling. I'm like, oh, this is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is good. Uh-huh. Um, and then I started meditating. And I didn't notice the change immediately. But what happened was I didn't do it for like a week. And mm-hmm. I was I was crabby. I woke up and I thought, oh, I could, every, could kill everyone today. And I'm furious. Yeah. And I realized it was the absence of it. And so now I have it. And anytime I have a new client, I start them. They hate me the first week. They have to text me every morning two things they like about themselves. Good, and, good, oh. and they don't like it. They don't like it. But same with me. Like I never did that. I never had nice oh. thoughts about myself in the morning or at oh. night or any time for that matter. And mm-hmm. so learning to do that, to, to harness your gratitude, to say nice things oh. about who you are. Or yeah. even if you're not those things, who you want to be. Yeah. And um, putting what I do now, every morning before I get out of bed, I may do it in the bed. I may swing my feet around and plant them. I find I do it better. But I meditate. I, yeah. I, just, I just do it. And then I think of what I'm grateful for. And mm-hmm. then I go get my coffee and I journal. And, and that's just it. That is my morning because I believe right. so firmly now that our lives and our days are made on these mornings. that's that's very smart i i actually had a client one time a a patient i I do adult medicine too and um uh an attorney and yes no just stress uh call him joe and i said well joe tell me what do you do before you walk into a case you're right before the courtroom he said well i i memorize my notes i i memorize my notes and i I memorize my notes okay i said okay that's good. But why don't you do that? But get there about 10 minutes early and, and walk around and do a walking meditation. See, movement meditation for guys like still not. Movement meditation, you move in synchrony with a mantra. Mm-hmm. And you do that for five minutes. You walk into the courtroom or something, you know, and, 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 you know, thank you for my life. Thank you for my wife. Thank <laughs> you for my health. Thank you for my wealth. Eight kids is what I do. And, you know, so that's what, and so, and he said, you know, that really made a difference because when I got into the courtroom, I remembered my notes better. See, that's what happened. See, your, your, your mind, your memory center, your short-term memory that you want to remember, if you quiet the mind and let your file cabinet file your notes, and then you go into the courtroom, it works better. So, yeah. 
Go in there with that, 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 that unstressed mind and you'll think much better. Yeah, yeah. Beth uh, wrote, Dr. Sears, you are brilliant. I thank you for this podcast and thank you for the baby book too. I nursed my kids to almost two and you gave me the confidence and you gave the confidence to co-sleep. So there's some gratitude well, thank for you. you. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Well, um, if anyone has any more questions, please, please type them in the chat. But um, let's talk about one more thing. Um, one of the hands that you mentioned in the book, one of the fingers of the hands um, for better brain health is uh, serve. So let's, let's talk serve. about that. Yes, yeah, serve. The, uh, this is interesting. One of the largest studies on Alzheimer's prevention of the grant study where they followed hundreds of people from uh, middle age into, into adulthood and found that volunteering, serving, volunteering, having a purpose is one of the best remedies against Alzheimer's disease. And why I think that, and I, I, that's why I call it for myself to leave the helpers high, is, and, and I learned this in a couple medical missions. I, I volunteered as a, uh, a medical doctor in a tsunami and, and whenever there was a crisis, and I joined Samaritan's Purse, was a, a beautiful uh, charity there that, that I would join. They had a bunch of doctors and nurses go over there. Oh. I felt so good. And, and so the, the volunteering, we all have some gifts. You know, right now, you may have a, a gift of going down and volunteering at a, at a soup kitchen or where they're handing out food. Or you might, if you want to do things online, just doing things online. Uh, volunteering to help people in need. Take your gift and give it to someone who doesn't have that gift, and you get more than you give. Yeah. Now that, that you get more than you give. You know? and that's why in, in my list uh, on a like kind of uh, in my book with um, kind of a list of make it very easy on brain health: <clears throat> move more, sit less, graze more, gorge less. Um, meditate more, agitate less, give more, get less. So it, it's that, that uh, so you're absolutely right, uh, Meredith, that volunteering really is, it's good medicine for us. Yeah, it really is. It gets us out of our own head. I know when, when the oh. coronavirus started or it locked us all down, I've, thought, oh gosh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I just started doing these daily meetup meetings where we were joining like oh. this. We did them every day for about 21 days. And I was like, okay, I'm all, my brain is also dying now after 21 days in a row. So I'm going to take a break. Oh. But the as much as it helped the community, it, it helped me. You know, it sure. helped me to be like, I have people that can come and we can all get together. And, and that makes me feel so good. I have such a, a happier brain when I do things sure, for other yeah. people. And, and, you know, it actually makes your immune system better, too. Yeah. Which right now, people, it's the number one goal. I don't hear, I wish the government would talk more about this. The best thing we can all do right now is build a healthier immune system. And the yeah. immune system's in your gut. So, uh, real quickly, we have in our gut a, a trillions of little soldiers. They're called natural killer cells. And they're programmed to go out and search and destroy viruses and germs and bacteria and, and things that get into our system, cancer cells. And they literally glom on to those foreign terrorists and they shoot biochemical bullets into them and blow them up. So the three ways that help your immune system fight better for you is they would say, believe in me, don't stress me out. And feed me well, mm -hmm. and I'll fight better for you. And that's why I think uh, a lot of the first responders and a lot of the the uh, medical helpers in, in the hospitals and all volunteers. I think their immune system—they're exposed more. 
But I think the immune system is healthier because of the good gut feelings they have from volunteering like this. Mm. That's a really good good point. So what what parting words do you have for us during this time? Obviously, it's a serious situation we have. What are your thoughts on it? Well, the, uh, I, I'm going to paraphrase uh, one of our co-author, Hayden. Hayden, one time, you know, at her wedding, uh, they get up and they thank their mom and dad, and you hope they say nice things. And, <laughs> and uh, she said, thank your mom and dad for giving us the gift of health. So I think there's no better gift that you could give your children, your young adults, your family, and the gift of mental health. And there's no better example you could set for your kids and your young adults and your grandchildren is to keep your mind active and healthy. And so that was the goal of our Healthy Brain book, to help parents give their children and their grandchildren and the grandparents have a healthy brain. I love it. I love it. Dr. Sears, I appreciate you so much for, for joining us today. The book is Thank called you. The Healthy Brain Book. Is it out yet? I have the... Oh, yes, it, it, came out, it came out on Amazon two days ago. Oh, <laughs> nothing like a book release during a quarantine. Oh, uh, you you're, have you're, my sympathies. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so available on Amazon, um, all, an all-ages guide to a calmer, happier, sharper you. So I know I feel the same way as everyone who's listening and who will listen. Thank you, Dr. Sears, for all your work and your continued work. Um, much gratitude and stay stay healthy. And I'll look for your 48th book next year. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Meredith. I wish you great brain health. All right. Take care and bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.